Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Our guest today is Matt Halgen. Matt, how are you doing today? Great. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing wonderful. Now, today's pretty interesting because I'm all about collector cars, and you're in the world of racing. So if you would, tell yep. me you know, what you're doing in the racing world. I, myself, am a professional drifter. Uh, I've been drifting for seven years now, about. Professionally, for like two years. Throughout all that time, and even before then, I was always into building cars. Everything from hot rods to lifted trucks to bag trucks, to tuner cars, exotics, and anything I could get in my hands on. Um, like probably many of your listeners and you yourself, I just can't help but try to modify it and customize it <laughs> to my liking. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and drifting's huge right now. So tell me, how did you get involved in it? Yeah, like ever since I was a kid, I was always customizing cars and working on cars. But I don't come from any kind of racing or drifting family. I don't think drifting family is necessarily a term we've heard yet, but... I think that will be a thing in the years as the as the sport grows. But I was always just tuning cars, just you know, for fun. Um, I'd say not casual car tuning by any means. Like I was having cars I, from like 17 years old and onward. I like had a different car in SEMA every year. Um, so that was kind of what I was doing. But I didn't have a YouTube or really an Instagram or anything like that. It was just purely for for the love of it. But I always was attracted to. Uh, just racing in general. I wouldn't say drifting specifically. After I got my Hyundai Genesis Coupe, we started tuning that up uh, just as kind of a street car. And through the shop that was helping me at that time, they had some fun events, just kind of fun track days. So you could actually go and, you know, run it on the track and see what your tuning has done to the performance. And one of the exercises in that was on a big skid pad. And they basically had cones set out in a large circle maybe say 200 feet wide. And the goal was to go around getting like second gear, go around that circle, kind of having the cones on one side and continually go faster until you feel that loss of traction, that rear end sliding out on you and then recover it. And so it was just basically a, a basic recovery exercise for racing. But when that happened to me, I just ended up stomping on the throttle and drifting around it. And I was like, this is so cool. And that was my first real experience with any kind of drifting, but I was hooked on just the literal slide, like the motion of it. It was just so unique. Um, if you haven't been drifting, um, it definitely go ride in the car so you can see what I'm talking about. And if you have, um, then you know how addicting that feeling is. It's, it's very odd. But th from there on out, I just kind of started going to local events. We built like a, we call them drift missiles. We built like a purpose-built drift car. Um, just to learn in, be able to crash in it. It was something that was low horsepower and cheap and easy to fix. 
and it just really snowballed from there. Then it drifting start in Japan probably about 15 years ago or so, or even 20 years ago now, right? My understanding, I see, what's funny is we were going to do a drifting history video, and I'm kind of gathering some research on it. My understanding is that, yes, it did start in Japan in the mountains on the toge is what they call it, which is kind of the winding back and forth mountain roads, um, actually back in like the 80s. But I've heard some things that maybe drifting was invented in England, which is really weird, <laughs> by like a, a rally driver out there. It really did gain its fame and its traction in Japan through like D1GP. And now it's obviously getting worldwide. and It's just a crazy phenomenon now. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. And I know some of the cars, some of the classic that are becoming classic now, cars that they use quite a bit, where it's like a Nissan 240SX, right? Some of the rear-wheel yep. Asian cars, correct? Exactly, yeah. So they, the Japanese roads are smaller, and they, they had usually had higher restrictions on like fuel economy and things like that. So a lot of their cars, <clears throat> they still wanted sporty cars, so a lot of their cars were built smaller, uh, more efficient, and that is a great recipe for a drift car because they're lightweight and uh, you throw a bigger turbo on them and you can get plenty of power. So Nissan 240, like you said, is, is probably the most popular drift car and kind of the one I, I recommend as everyone's starter drift car. Right, right. Yeah, it makes it hard to find a factory stock Nissan 240 out there anymore. They've all been drifted or modified in some way. Uh, what would you say are the top four to five drift cars out there now after this first one, they're not in any particular order, just kind of how they pop into my head. But my absolute favorite drift car is the Nissan Skyline. That's what we, we have a practice Skyline, um, a pro car Skyline, and then we're building a, a demo Skyline, all different variants of the Skyline. But um, that's like my number one. That's number one. Okay, now real quick for our audience, that's a JDM import, correct? Yep, yeah. So that would be like the Nissan GTR is probably the more well-known name um the brand new one that's out you know worldwide that's basically the last model of that family the most recent one the, it's called the r35 um but they've had everything from r31 to 34 as well as some really old like ken mary's and hakasukas and some crazy variants but the nissan sky on r32 would probably be the one that is the most available right now it's legal in the united states and is like my number one choice for a drift car besides the R34, but those are like, you can't get them. We have one, but generally you can't get them. Yeah. Now you can't get them right because they're what, not 25 years old, 20 years old. Is that right? Like you can get the 95 R32s right now. Is that correct? Yeah. So you can actually get, um, R33s are, have been legal for like a year or two now. Um, and 34 is still like six years out, but yeah, it's that 25 year law imposed like way back i think in like the 90s when japanese cars they realized how good they were and they're like we need to sell more u.s cars so <laughs> stop with that importing <laughs> yeah yeah so for our listeners here uh, you can go back to one of my earlier episodes called what are jdm cars and why you should care to learn a lot more about jdm cars so uh that's really cool okay so that's the number one on your list what are what would you say are the next three or four for drifting and are they all 20 years old or are there some newer cars a lot of them are 20 years old and not and not brand new because as far as drifting moves that i would say it moves a little slower than racing but even so like with new race cars you need to have like a top level professional team to really develop and engineer new parts and so a lot of the cars i'll mention are cars that have had time for great parts to be developed for them some of the newer cars, we don't really know if they're good drift cars yet. And even if they are, there's not parts out for them. 
but there, there are some newer ones on this list. So, like, the next one would obviously be the Nissan T40. Um, that's been out forever. There's so many parts and information available for them, and you can pretty much talk to anybody that's even a decent drifter, and they're going to be able to help you set it up. Uh, that's a super important thing with building a drift car is getting it set up properly. And part of that's having, you know, well-engineered parts for them. Right. I, this wouldn't always come up on my list, but because we're talking about some newer cars too, and um, you asked, I would say like the FRS and BRZ um, mm. or the Toyota 86, it's all the same car. Um, that's a great one. That is a much newer vehicle, and there are really good parts developed for them. So there's a lot of companies and professional drifters that have used them. So I would say that's, that's an easy one to the list. A lot of the 3 Series BMWs, Wow, okay. Really anything from like all in the 90s and even the newer ones, not brand new, but um, even in the last like 5, 10 years, those have parts developed for them. But the older 3 Series, they're cheap and they make good power. Uh, they have all the recipe of a good drift car. So that would definitely... I, the funny thing is I personally have never had one, but I just, I'm around them and I know that they're great drift cars. Yeah, okay. Do you have another one? 350Z, I would say. I hate to make them all Nissan, but a 350Z <laughs> right. is also another little bit newer car, as well as a 370. 370 has a lot of great parts developed for them, too. But I, I don't know why, like, Nissan just made some great freaking cars for drifting. <laughs> they really did. What's the most predominant American-made car, or American brand car, that's on the drift track? Is it a like a, a Mustang or a Camaro? Yeah, Ford Mustang, hands down. The new ones, they are... They're awesome cars. They're maniacs. Like Von Gitten and Chelsea Nofa and uh, Justin Pollock all have insane Mustangs and Formula Drift. And that car has proven to be a really great trip chassis. But again, more expensive, right? But there are parts available for them. Yeah, I actually want you to go into that a little bit more. What parts need to be available to turn a car into a drift car? Other than, you know, the engine mods and the exhaust mods. Like specifically for drifting, what can you give me some examples of the parts that have to be created to make a good drift car? Our, our team is really big on safety, so I would say the most important aspect only behind safety is the suspension. And so that's coilovers, the steering angle is kind of what we call it, angle kits. So that's like your, your whole front suspension, as well as adjustable links for the rear. Um, that's like the most critical thing on a drift car that can make or break a drift car. And so if you get some car that doesn't have a developed angle kit for it or really a lot of adjustable links available for it, you're never going to be able to get it to drive right or even align right. And there are a lot of people that make kind of half-assed angle kits for cars, but they're just really, they're not proper. And so you're going to find, especially if you're learning, um, you're not going to know whether it's you or the car. So a lot of these choices I picked, they have angle kits available from very reputable companies such as WiseFab, and Part Shop Max. I would say those are two of the top. Uh, that's pretty much it's like one of the other for professional drifting. We're, we're partnered with WiseFab, but great friends with Part Shop Max too. And so really all those cars have parts available from those two brands. And it seems weird, but it's like steering angle is so necessary to have a proper drift car. I mean, you can drift a car without an angle kit, but it's, it's not going to take you very far. Right. Tough. Right. Yeah, sure. Well, this is called the Collector Car Podcast. So do you have any cool cars in your garage you'd like to share? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, people can uh, are probably already expecting what I'm going to say, but um, Nissan Skyline. So, <laughs> <laughs> I 
We have a, a 91, or 90, sorry, uh, Nissan Skyline R32 uh, GTST. So that was uh, a two-door coupe, rear-wheel drive, uh, inline-six turbo. Uh, we've fully forged the motor. It's got an RB25 in it, Series 2, for some of the, if there's any RB nerds on here. But, yeah, it's got, like, a top-mount turbo. It's, it's uh, right around 500 horsepower at the wheels, and that's wow. kind of our practice car um, slash backup competition car and then the next one which i don't know if this is necessarily in collector's car category well i think it is it definitely will be though um would be the nissan skyline r34 and let me rephrase that it's definitely a collector's car i just don't know if it's some people would say it's like a historic collector's car yet you know what i mean Right. Yeah, it's not. Eh, it's borderline. I'd say the R32s are definitely in that wheelhouse now, so they're they're not far off. Yeah, but that's like, at least in my opinion, is like the most iconic JDM car there is. It was the car in Fast and Furious. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, the there was a blue one, but also the gray with the blue stripes that Paul Walker drove, uh, with the four round taillights on the back. Um, so that we built one of those. That was like my absolute dream car we were able to get our hands on one and we built that as our, our professional drift car. Uh, so we did, I mean, literally tore it down to complete bare chassis, dipped it in acid and then wow. did all the fabrication and put a giant, uh, CVM motorsports supercharged LS motor in it, which at low boost, it's making over a thousand horsepower. It's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that is for sure. Outrageous. Um, we have a 350Z, which isn't in that collector's car yet. Um, but another one that's interesting, we haven't built it yet. Uh, we have a, an, another R34, but a sedan variant, which are pretty rare and are definitely sought after for kind of JDM nerds, let's call them. And I think as time goes on, we'll see that reflect in just the general car collection community. But the sedans are, are pretty cool because they still have the front end is the same as the coupe, so it looks like that iconic R34, and the back end still has those same taillights, but it's like a kind of a luxury four-door sedan. So we have that, but it's just sitting as a rolling chassis, and we're kind of waiting until we can get the money together to build that thing. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. So no cars pre-1990, it sounds like? Uh, Not at the moment. We have had in the past, but um, like we had an old 32 Ford with a big block 502. Probably speaking oh, wow. more some of your <laughs> listeners' language. <laughs> We've had some really cool collector's cars in the past, but we really kind of re-geared everything um, towards drifting and, and some of the, the current builds. But a lot of our cars are in that like 90s and late 90s range, which are future collector's cars. Now, what does your future racing schedule look like? I guess it's a little bit up in air right now with COVID, but where do you plan on racing next? <laughs> yeah, so this year's crazy, right, for all of us. But we we did formally drift last year. Without going into too much detail, I had a, another business outside of automotive that I was using to fund all the racing and Haugen Racing. And that ended up shutting down, um, not due to COVID. This was back in, like, December. Okay. Um, and I basically made a decision to say, hey, we're going to give Haugen Racing a chance as a legitimate business and go all in on it. And our main source of income that we saw as a, a great opportunity to build up our YouTube channel. Uh, so for this year, we're not doing Formula Drift. We're really focusing on creating content, building up our YouTube channel. Uh, but you will see us at a lot of like uh, what we call demo events, 
so they're not competitions, uh, but we'll be out there putting on demos, giving, giving ride-alongs, and have a bunch of our cars there showing them. So we'll be doing a lot of those. Like probably the, a lot of the events your listeners probably haven't heard of, but Fuel Fest is a brand-new event. Unfortunately, the first one that was supposed to be in Phoenix got postponed until September, but that's put on by Paul Walker's brother, and they'll have a bunch of the Fast and Furious stars there, and um, we're like the resident drift pro for that event, so that should be really cool, and um, we're thinking about going to some of their other stops throughout the United States as well. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Paul Walker's legacy is living on. I actually reviewed a number of his BMWs on a previous podcast that came up for auction recently. Uh, Definitely a lot of interest in his influence in the automotive world for sure wow well that's cool well what i'd like to do at the end of this as i mentioned on our pre-call is a little game called keep cash and crush and so i give you three (laughs) cars and you have to tell me which one you want to keep forever which one you want to cash in and then which one you want to crush so not that you want to crush any of them but you got to pick one of them so i'm keeping this pretty simple it's actually cars you mostly currently own potential drift cars but i will say Let's make them all mint condition and see where you go. All right, so your first car is a 1970... Actually, you didn't mention this car. The first car is a 1972 Datsun 240Z, rear-wheel drive, small Asian car. Any of those ever drifted? Yeah, they're... It's the parts thing. There there are some parts uh, out there for them, but they've just never like made it into professional competition and done well, let's say. so. It's, right. They're great cars. They're super fun, but... Right, right. Okay. The best drift cars. Well, that's one car. The second one will be a Nissan 240SX in mint shape, showroom condition. And then the third, let's say it's the Nissan R32. I, maybe I made this too easy for you. But those are your three cars, a Datsun 240Z, a Nissan 240SX, and a Nissan GTR, uh, the R32 model. So which one would you keep forever? Which one would you cash in? And which one would you crush? Oh. um so okay so the like the business school side of me and that that education is saying make a good financial decision here so (laughs) it's different from where my heart wants to go but it's a good financial decision i would take the 240 uh for the keep great drift car kind of cool to have a mint 240 and then uh make it my own Uh, i would cash in the r32 because it's a mint R32. I'm going to assume it's a GTR so I can get more money for yes. it. Yes. Yep, GTR. Um, but that will that would go for a buttload of money. So I'll cash that in. And then, unfortunately, I'm going to crush the 240Z. But no hate against the 240Z. I do like those cars. <laughs> but in this scenario, I'd not have to crush it. Right, right. Okay, no, that, that's fair. That's fair. And actually, those 240Zs have really started to pop in price, too, which is kind of nuts. Uh, well, that's really cool. Now, I do have a question. My sister had a Nissan 200 SX, I believe, in high school. Are those ever around, and do people drift them? Yeah, yeah. That's, they they kind of all fall in that same same family. Um, they're a little bit less drifted, I would say, but the, even a 300ZX, really, it's weird. All those 90s Nissans, almost all of them are good drift cars. Okay, even some I never of like see the them. four-door yeah. sedans make for good drift cars, which is, is weird. But yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, I keep my eyes out for one of those 200 SXs, and I've only seen one like in the last 15 years. So <laughs> I just I just don't see them awesome. Wow. 
Well, now, where could our listeners learn more about you and your racing endeavors? So I would say the best spot, guys, is check out our YouTube channel. It's called Hagen Racing. Easy to find. We do three uploads a week. And what's cool is a lot of your listeners are probably saying, oh, I don't want to listen to another vlog channel. I'm so sick of everyone vlogging. We don't vlog. We actually are kind of what we're trying to coin is the term automotive parody. So we do comedy based around cars. So we like to say that we're um, like a comedy channel first, similar <laughs> to some of the fun uh, YouTube comedy channels you see out there, but they're all loosely based around cars. Um, and then we do a bunch of how to drift videos and other kind of more hardcore automotive content. But yeah, check us out. Check the YouTube out. Um, we'd really appreciate your guys' uh, subscribe and love. We're trying to make a business out of this thing. So That's awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, Matt. Thanks for having me on here. This is really an, an honor. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.